Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widders' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we come to hear your word read and proclaimed and to sing our praises. And as we do so, O Lord, let our ears be open to hear what you would say to us today. But let us, O Lord, not just listen, but let us be a changed people transformed so that we are not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So when I was in high school, long about my junior, I guess it was in my sophomore year, I was 16 years old, and we went on a mission trip to central Appalachia. We went to uh, West Virginia working in the coal country there, working with the Appalachia Service Project. Now, ASP is one of these great ministries that brings in high school students from all across the country, and they come and they spend a week in different counties in central Appalachia, and it's a home repair ministry. So someone had this brilliant idea that there's this unused teenage labor force, mind you, also unskilled, but let's bring them in, let's take their heart for Jesus, and we're going to get them to help transform these homes to do home repair ministry and we'll teach them how to do it along the way. So we went and, and we were there and we were working for Billy. Now Billy was 19 years old. So I'm 16 and most of the kids on my team, most of my friends were all about the same age, 15, 16, that about. And here's Billy and his wife, 19 years old. Now Billy got married at age 16, so we're already trying to figure out what that's like. Talk about weird. <laughs> but he got married at 16 and now at 19, 
They've got a child on the way. Billy got married and went straight to work in the coal mines, was making good money until the year before we met them, there had been an accident and Billy was injured. So Billy was no longer able to work in the mine. He was trying to live off of the disability check from the mine company. His wife had had a job working at the local Hardee's until her pregnancy advanced and she was no longer able to work the drive-thru. So here they were, and our task that week was to build a porch on the front of their house with a roof over it, because in the winter of the previous year, the snow and the ice had sort of locked them in, had trapped them in their house for days on end, which is probably a lot of fun if you don't have an infant in the home. But as you know, sometimes you've got to get out to get supplies, and so this was not going to work for them. So our job was to build this porch. All week long, we got to know them, and we would take breaks, have lunch. We would all sit together in the, in the yard or on parts of the porch and share lunch and have lemonade and, and whatnot. And as the week ended, as we finally got, you know, it was all done, our work was done, we were going to come back to Winston-Salem. They were going to stay. We said our cheerful goodbyes. And I'll never forget, Billy walked up after we'd all sort of given hugs, and he had his hand like this. And he went to Scott Nolan, our, our youth minister, and he said, Scott, the disability check doesn't come in until next week. But this is what we got this week. This is all we got, but you take this, and you take this back to that school where y'all are staying, and you give it to those college students leading this ministry so that they can help other people like us. And he opened his hand and was a wadded up $5 bill. This is all we have. The check doesn't come till next week, but you take this and you take it back to that center and use this to help people just like us. Now, we're still trying to figure this out. I mean, as I mentioned, we're 16, they're 19, they're married, have a kid on the way, and while we're very close in age, we're miles apart in life experience. But that doesn't sound really smart to me that if you've got a kid on the way and there's no visible means of income and you hope that that mind check comes every so often to help pay the bills, it doesn't make a lick of sense to take the last $5 in your wallet and give it away. Now does it? But he was insistent. You take this and help others just like me. See, when Jesus was teaching in the temple and everywhere else, people sometimes thought Jesus was teaching and not paying attention. But there's one thing we know about Jesus, two things actually. One, we know that Jesus' ministry was to kind of turn the world upside down a little bit. But the other part was... Jesus, Jesus notices everything. And so after he had been teaching in the, in the temple and he was sitting back and sort of watching people come and give their offering, I'm sure she thought that no one would notice her. You know, the rich people were coming and they were dropping their collections in the plate, making sure that the gold coins made that beautiful sound of big money. And she thought, nobody will notice me. And she kind of slipped into the line and she slipped her two coins in and tried to go out the side door where no one would notice but remember, Jesus notices everything. 
And while she thought no one else saw her, just like you think sometimes you can slip in church and no one sees you, oh, but everyone does. Jesus saw her. And so he called it out and he said, you know, folks, her two copper coins, it's not much money. As a matter of fact, scholarship says that it was worth one sixty-fourth of a day's labor. Or if you use today's time, it was worth about seven and a half minutes worth of work. Almost nothing. But Jesus says it's not the amount that matters. What really, mounts, what really matters is her intent, her attitude. See, she's all in, he says. She's giving all that she has. She's giving this significant gift of her heart. You see, I think this is what God desires. No, maybe it's what God asks. No, I think that the significant gift of our hearts is what God expects from all of us. From all of God's children. See, significant gifts of the heart, they are very special. They're not just good in monetary value because that's not what's important. What matters is the attitude through which we give. And that still echoes true today. Significant gifts of the heart are gifts that are given out of humility. They're given with gratitude, unflinchingly given with gratitude. They are unabashedly gifts made that are loaded with hopes and dreams. Gifts given with humility, gifts given out of gratitude, gifts full of hopes and dreams. You see, that's what I think God wants you and I to do when we give, when we celebrate, when we share of our lives. God wants us to give with our whole heart. So when we think about the definition of humility, Webster says it's the quality of not thinking that one is better than others. It's someone that's not flashy, someone that likes to be behind the scenes. Humility is just trying to slip in and not be noticed. To just make things happen, because that's what you're called to do. One of my early churches, Hester was a person just like this. Hester was a bank teller. She didn't have a whole lot in terms of resources, but she was always faithful to her church. She was always doing things. And so when I, we were taking our own mission trip out of that church, our own trip to Appalachia, Hester gave some money to help underwrite the cost of that trip. But then just a couple of days before we left, Hester came up to me after church and she handed me an envelope. And I said, what's this? And she goes, well, I've watched our youth. I've watched them rake leaves of people in the fall who can't rake the leaves in the yard and help bag them up. I've watched them serve in our community. I've watched the good stuff they're doing in the church, and I know they're going to go to Appalachia, and they're going to do this home repair ministry. She said, I want you, I want you to take them out for ice cream or for lunch or for dinner, whatever it may be, but use this money and take them out to celebrate and as a way to say thanks. But you cannot tell them, I gave you the money. Now, so because of Hester, because of her generosity, I took the youth of our church to some of the finest of restaurants in central Appalachia. Places like the Rebel Don and Shine. Oh, it gets better. Rooster's Meat in Three, or my favorite one, sort of the mashup ice cream shop, video store, tanning bed, hot dog stand, and bait shop. <laughs> Jeremy says he's going for the hot dog, not the tanning bed, the next time we go. <laughs> 
But see, Hester was a very humble about it. She wanted to do this to reward our youth, to celebrate their goodness and their service, but she didn't want anyone to know that she had done it. And so when we went out to, to dinner or in, and went to one of these places, the first time we did, the kids said, are we to bring our own money? I said, no, you don't need your money. I've got this covered. Oh, are, are, is this coming out of the budget? I said, no, this is not coming out of the church budget. These kids are raised well, right? And, and I said, no, it's not that. They said, oh, are you paying for this? I said, I love you, but come on. <laughs> I said, no, seriously, there is someone in our church that is moved by your example of service that they want to give you something. Oh, I bet it's so-and-so, or I bet it's so-and-so. They go to the, and then they went, do they go to the 845 or the 11 o'clock service? <laughs> I mean, you know, kids, they want to figure this stuff out. I said, don't worry about it. I said, because she swore to me that if I told you who it was, she was going to get me. And I don't want to get got. They died laughing and all this. But Hester didn't want anyone to know. She wanted anyone to know that this was what her gift was. Because her life had been impacted, she wanted to impact the lives of others. A significant gift of her heart. Every time we came back, she'd pull me aside after church and she'd say, where did you go? She also laughed about the ice cream shop, video store, tanning bed, hot dog stand, bait shop combination. She asked me how the bait was. Whatever. Significant gifts of the heart, though they're not humility, they're not about humility, they're also about gratitude. See, the, pre the readiness to show appreciation for all the blessings in life, when we give significant gifts of our heart, it's as if we're writing a thank you note to all that God has given to us. So June and her family, they moved to town a few years back. They'd immigrated from a foreign country. They'd been in town for about two months. They'd sort of flirted with the idea of going back to church. They'd tried one church once or twice, really weren't sure if they got the whole faith thing or not, ready to commit and then Steve got sick. Steve got sick and ended up in the hospital first for a week, and then it stretched on to two months. And in the time that they were in there, pretty soon the word got around about the community through carpool line and everything else that this family was in dire straits. And so during Steve's two months stay in the hospital, some of the folks in the same congregation they'd visited said, hey, we've seen you at church. We hear your husband's not well. Let us help. What do you need? And pretty soon the casserole brigade began to get into action. And long before there was sign-up genius and social media, they had it all figured out. They had people lined up to bring food every night. When they realized that she needed to be at the hospital in the morning, when the doctors made the rounds and not dropping her kids off at school, someone said, your child is in the class with mine. Let me take them to school. And so for two months' time, this congregation reached in to a family that they barely knew and held them up and supported them in their hour of greatest need. And as Steve got better and got back to work and got back to life, they began to visit and began to worship and eventually joined that church. And they said, as, there, as she told the story to the congregation some five years later, she said, you know, it really changed the way we looked at how we gave. We began to give of our time, of our financial resources, of our abilities. We began to give them differently because of the kindness and the love that you showed us. And it really turned our world upside down in that regard.
But her greatest gift, the gift of her heart, was not that. It was when she stood up during stewardship season five years later and she told her story about how this congregation had embraced them and enveloped them in love and supported them. And she told the story there wasn't a dry eye in the room because they realized that that had been God in their midst and she was so thankful and they were so thankful that they had been brought together and able to help each other in an hour of need. See, significant gifts of the heart, they're about humility and they're about gratitude, but they are also about hopes and dreams for our future. See, the widow, she didn't have much to give and she gave it all. It was as if she was making a declarative statement of the world that says, I'm not done yet. I may be old, I may not have much, I may not be able to do everything in the world, but I am not done yet. I still have hopes and dreams for my church. And you see, brothers and sisters, when we give, when we give in the collection plate, when we make our commitment for the future, when we're giving, we too are making a similar declarative statement. It's as if a bell is ringing for all the world to hear that we are not done yet, that we still have work to do, that we want to fulfill our mission to follow Jesus, to make disciples, to transform the world, that we want to live into our vision of loving God and loving neighbor, both downtown and throughout the region, that we want to let the world know that Centenary United Methodist Church is a city on a hill with a mission to reach out and to share the light of Christ with the world. And so when we give our gifts this morning, when we make our contributions, when we give our tithes and offerings, we are making that statement. But what we're really saying is we look around what happens in our church today. We talk about that God's spirit is alive with us in worship through singing and through praises and through prayer. What our children just did reminding us that God is so here. An hour ago or just a few minutes ago, we had spiritual formation with Sunday school where there were youth, children, adults, all learning the lessons of faith. The ones that we've known from the very beginning that Jesus loves us. Each and every one of us. Or whether it was over donuts or coffee or catching up, to realize that we matter to someone else. You know, we have fellowship time. It's great to catch up. But you know what's happening at that moment? It's in that moment that you realize you matter to someone else. And you know what else? They realize they matter to you. And that the life and the fellowship of this church wouldn't be the same if one of us was missing in that conversation. And then if you, I wish you could have seen it when you were coming to church, you may have. We had the great plan for the engagement fair out on the lawn and the, the wind started to blow and the, the roared and someone said, it's probably got to cancel. And we said, no, let's bring it in. And so when you, after the service is over, you'll hear us talk about this. Back in the narthex, we've got an engagement fair, an opportunity to learn how to live our faith and to be involved in the life of this church. And all that happens because we've made a declarative statement that says we're in ministry today and we need you to be a part of it. See, when we make our gifts, we make all this possible. Look at what happens around the facility, not just what happens here today, but throughout the week. John Markle always laughs about the water bill and the power bill and everything else. You know, there's nothing exciting about it, but you know what? Power and water make ministry happen, don't they? Try to worship in the dark or when you can't flush a toilet. Think about it. 
It makes it happen. But you see, when we make our contributions, we make our giving, we say ministry happens through every part of this building. Everything, whether it's the program ministries or the administrative and the support structures that take place, we say to the world, we are in ministry with our community. We are here. But we also say something else. We don't just say that we're here now. We're also talking about the future. If you look with me around this room, there's still room in the pews. And you know what that means, don't you? That means that we have an opportunity to invite people in to experience the goodness that you and I have found in this place. It means that when we sit there, we talk about hopes and dreams. We're talking about inviting people to be a part of our fellowship. Because we want them to be a part of the kingdom of heaven with us. See, our hopes and dreams are about bringing people in to experience God's love, God's grace and majesty in worship. Our hopes and dreams are about opportunities to grow in our faith, to become fully mature, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Our hopes and dreams are about our mission and service to the world, where our lives become hopelessly entangled with each other and with our community so that we are helping each one, lifting them up in their hour of need, but also helping them lift others up. See, our hopes and dreams are about belonging to a community like ours that is growing to be like that of above. Where we're carrying each other, we're caring for each other. We're loving each other. We find happiness to be together. Where all of a sudden this idea of a community of faith is really not just about church, but it's about a way of being. Like your closest of friends. But think about it. Not just one or two, but imagine your closest of friends all in this room, pew to pew, wall to wall. See, our hopes and dreams, they happen because we have significant gifts of our heart. We give our significant gifts of the heart. We say not only now are we in ministry, but we want to be in ministry long past our time. I wonder what that would have thought as she put in her two copper coins. I only imagine her gratitude. We witness her humility, but I only imagine her gratitude and the hopes and the dreams that she had. For the last 32 years, July rolls around, and somewhere in the midst of July, I find myself thinking of McDowell County, West Virginia. I find myself thinking of Billy and wondering how he's doing, where he is, how his family is, what his child has grown up to be. But what I really find myself wondering is, does he know? Does he know the significance of the gift of his heart? Does he know the impact that that gift has had? Because those words, we don't have much. This is all we've got. But take it and help others just like us. Does he know that those words echo deep within my soul every July and it makes me ponder the gifts of my own heart? Does he know the lasting impact his faithful gift has had upon the world? So in a few minutes, our ushers will come forward. They will share the collection plate with us, and soon after, members of our stewardship committee will pass a tray that allows us also to share our commitments for 2019.
I pray that it's the same for us. I pray that we give significant gifts of our hearts. We give out of our humility. We give out of gratitude for what God has given to us. And we give gifts loaded with hopes and dreams for our present, but even more importantly, for our future. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.